0: If you dare. This is the nightcap with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on V the Sports Betty Network.
3: Of the nightcap here on Vsin and we're joined in studio by a man who's uh, a little short of breath because uh, he was sprinting from the garage. You know, that's the, the dedication that we uh, that we expect from our guests, Mo Pearson uh, from WinBet in studio. uh Always appreciate it, man. How how's the summer treating you? It's
1: been all right. You know, I'm just trying to get through the dog days of baseball, man. Trying <laughs> to uh, maneuver through that, but otherwise it's been pretty solid. um You know, just kind of taking it easy. Yeah, we. Yeah.
3: Well, we, uh, we got a lot of... Uh, I know you guys were working on uh, a lot of NFL recently and with everything that's going on, but we want to focus on some college football. Adam and I have been uh, burying our heads on our college football betting guide. And, you know, for you guys over at WinBet, uh, some liabilities, and we'll, we'll get to those. I, I want to start with a team that I know a lot of folks in town here in Vegas certainly uh, are familiar with that like to bet them. But I think even more so, Mo, it's across the country is the fascination on usc so (laughs) over at at, for you guys at WinBet, where did you guys open on usc and have you seen a a flood of trojan money just because of the movement that they've made uh in the portal obviously they get lincoln riley so what was your opinion to start on usc and how much has it been altered based off of betting
1: well we opened 30 to 1 and uh you know we were kind of late on our college football um, champ odds so you know we knew that people were gonna bet them anyway so it's not like we don't respect them or anything but I think there's maybe 20 or 25 to one 25 to ones out there yeah um but you know we have to watch them first you know it's kind of hard obviously you know to be uh, good on paper is one thing but we need to see a couple games before we make any decision so you know we open 30 to one we're at 25 to one we have seen a little bit of action of, of action um, but you know, we're, we're okay with that early in the year, you know, we're willing to take action on USC before we get to watch them play.
2: So the PAC 12 seems really interesting this year because you know, you've got USC with all the turnover for them. A lot of people really like Utah. I think the two of us, Tim and I really like Utah as well. Is there anybody else in the PAC 12 that's, that's kind of taking some interest for you either to win the conference or in the win total market? I think
1: Oregon, um, hasn't taken the action, uh, yet. I know they have a lot of turnover in in the coaching department, but they have, I think, the easiest or the the better of the schedules of a lot of the teams. Um, So we haven't seen much on that, but that's a team that I do kind of see or predict might get some action if they are pretty good early after the Georgia game, which they might lose by like 40. But (laughs) considering the Pac-12, I think that's the only other team. Other than that, yeah, USC and Utah are, are two of the teams that are getting the most interest there. You
3: know what's so fascinating about some of the games of the year this year is that you know week 1 we've got what Georgia taking on Oregon that's a huge game monster game 17 point spread yep. Notre Dame Ohio State huge game 14 and a half points spread and it's <laughs> wild i mean the the difference between you know Notre Dame in my opinion and look i'm a Notre Dame fan but i i try to I think i'm pretty realistic i think they're a top 10 team this year but Ohio State to me is just there's another tier there's another level so when you look at Ohio State, and you know you sent me some of the, the liabilities that you've had, it you know, looks like right now maybe you just had a price right. What has been your feeling over at, at, at WinBet on Ohio State? Do you guys have them on the same level? We talked to Chris Andrews maybe a couple months ago and he actually initially, I don't know if he's changed it since, he initially had Ohio State just slightly ahead of Alabama as the best team in the country. Where are you guys in Ohio State? It's hard for us to put
1: anybody I know. <laughs> over Bama. I mean, right. even from a power rating perspective, yeah. on paper, Ohio State's going to be awesome. But we had Ohio, we opened Ohio State uh, in front of Georgia, Okay, what we did. so, And then we took a massive amount of Georgia money. Really? So yeah, we kind of <laughs> evened that out a little bit, uh, you know, at win there, but... Um, we have the utmost respect for Ohio State. Um, You know, I think it's like what we were saying about those two games. I think we're just catching those teams on like a, you know, with Brian Kelly leaving in Oregon, obviously we just explained the turnover. You know, it was just tough. The scheduling was great. Just a tough time when we caught those teams uh, going into week one.
3: Yeah, I mean, you think about a first-year-time head coach going into Ohio State, some questions in the secondary there for Notre Dame. A freshman, or not a freshman, I guess a sophomore quarterback it's just a tricky situation for Notre Dame heading into heading into Columbus night game. All of that, all those circumstances, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the points with Notre Dame. It
1: could get ugly. It's tough. Yeah, it's it's a tough deal. Like we haven't seen much action on that game yet, um, but we know it's going to be you know pretty solid going into that week, and then day of it's going to be exciting.
3: You know, another team, Adam, that you and I talked about earlier today, and was kind of a situation where you know, Mo, we were all uh for our betting guide we we all made you know comfort selections and both Adam and I landed on Oklahoma winning the Big 12 but it's not a future that you and I are racing to play I played a little over 9 just cuz I liked the landing spot on nine, you know, if they go nine and three and get your push, but yeah. I still think it's it's more likely they're ten and two than they are eight and four, right. the way I looked at it, uh, because there's some nine and a halfs out there. But you guys at WinBet are taking some Oklahoma under money, and I've heard other people. I know Matt Humans and our betting guide wrote up under nine and a half. I heard the Bear Chris Falika on on our network say he likes under nine and a half wins for Oklahoma. So you guys uh, seeing that as well? Some under money coming in on Sooners.
1: Yeah, I, it was a little bit earlier. We're seeing um, some more interest in a few other teams, not in the Big Twelve. Early when we opened the season, uh, win totals. I forgot what number they or what uh, price they were getting, but you know it was probably like two or three dimes yeah. immediately on the Oklahoma under. So it's not much that we took the under money that surprises me. It's that we're not taking enough o- over money yeah. at this at this moment. So. Um, you know, maybe that's going to come in time, but, you know, just to see all under money on a team that's pretty legit and that has, um, you know, four or five star guys, you know, it's uh, odd to me. Staying in the Big 12,
2: you know, everyone's can't Texas is back. Texas is back. You know, whether it's when Arch Manning comes in or now with Quinn Ewers, are people betting as if Texas is back or are they still pretty skeptical of the
1: Longhorns? That's, of all the teams that we put up uh, to win the college champ, I'm surprised that we're not getting any Texas money. I think we have them at 40 to one. Um and then obviously I think I, I even think no money on Quinn Ewers to win the Heisman's odd you know because I know a lot of people are going to be racing to get something like that just because of the people the talk of it not from the product obviously because we haven't seen much from Texas um we'll be waiting on the Texas money but we just haven't seen much in the Big Twelve and I think I think it's odd that we haven't seen much on Texas yet <laughs>
3: I gotta laugh at this so you so once again we're talking to to M- Matoy Pearson from from Winbet so you sent me some some. Money that you're seeing win totals. Kansas over, huh? People are utilizing taxable income on the Jayhawks to win multiple
2: games this year. I can't believe inflation's as high as it is and people have disposable money to put on
1: Kansas over. I think a lot of us were saying that, too. We are like, where are they getting the money to bet it, number one? Um, I think it was just the pricing. The market right now is two and a half, juiced und. Yeah, um, maybe minus forty, fifty, something like that. It could be a little bit higher, but I mean, we were hanging around at two minus fifty, minus sixty. So I mean, people were going to eat that up no matter what, just because of the price in the market. But like when you have to, you know, charge yourself minus one eighty five, two bucks on Kansas, like you know, good luck. You know, we're we're <laughs> happy with with taking that stuff, and you know, <laughs> considering that we we lose to the over, that that's okay with us.
3: I mean, we're, they. We're fine I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. They open at tennis a home against Tennessee Tech. So. I mean, I guess if you win that game, you know, and you, yeah. you laid a $1.50 to the over on two, you're, you're, halfway, you're, home. you're, you're, live, yeah. you're halfway home. You're and, live. You're halfway home, and you've got a home game against Duke, so you could head into conference play. <laughs> uh, there are better things I'd like to do with my money than, uh, sure. than bet on Kansas over.
1: Well, I mean, to watch the Tennessee Tech and Duke game is one thing, but then to pray for the third <laughs> win is another. So, uh, you know, it, it's all in the fun of it, but to do all that, you know, you got
3: to be sick. Yes, uh, I tend to agree uh, <laughs> with that. Uh, another team that you and I, Adam, I think we're we're curious about, and you've seen some over money come in, is Clemson. You know, is this a bounce back year for for the Tigers? You know, I'm fascinated about the quarterback situation. Do they keep rolling with DJ Uiogalele? Do they go to the five star freshman and Klubnik? I mean, at the end of the day, their defensive line is just an absolute. Freak show. I a mean, unit. they're, they're so, they might be the best defensive line in football. And when you look at you know their schedule is you know, opens up against Georgia Tech, they'll win by a gajillion. Yeah, you know they get Furman, Louisiana Tech. You know at Wake could be tricky, but I think that defensive front. NC State's the game that a lot of people are circling. But as Adam pointed out, NC State home, Miami is home. Yes, they're at Notre Dame, which is kind of a them You guys have been seeing over money come in on Clemson so far.
1: I mean, that's the only tricky situation on seeing how they're going to play the quarterback deal with yeah. the, you know, being as bad as one could play he was in, in his career because he's been good his whole life until one season. So, um, you know, that's that's the difference. You know, with losing Venables, that could be a difference maker. But when you have the talent like that, it's hard to lose, especially in a lot of games you're going to be, you know, more than a touchdown favorite. In. So we'll be watching those that NC State and that Miami game at home. Um, but for the most part, you know, we – we agree with how good the schedule is. We just need to see it happen.
2: Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like Miami is going to have too much competition the other side of that conference.
1: Are you seeing anything on Miami to win the national championship? No, not yet. We, we're we getting a lot of over Miami. Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to talk more about Clemson when I sent them the teams, but Miami is definitely going to be a popular team, and um, Tyler Van Dyke's getting uh, some Heisman love as well. So uh, maybe we might see some Miami uh, money in the future, but between Van Dyke and the season total wins, people like Miami. Yeah, we only got a minute left in this segment. We'll keep you for another one, uh, Mo. But
3: Heisman market, what have you guys been seeing so far? Who are some of those longer shots people are f- trying to fire on?
1: We opened Sam Hartman a little bit too high, man. So we took <laughs> took a lot of Sam Hartman at Wake Forest, um, Travion Henderson, uh, you know, right behind State, uh, yeah. uh, and Jigbund, and uh, CJ Stroud is, a, is another popular one. But I think one of the ones that I like personally is Jameer Gibbs, mm-hmm. the transfer from Georgia Tech. I think a lot, a, beast. He, a lot of people are talking about him now, but, you know, Alabama running backs are notorious for winning this uh, this award so you know this one could be pretty interesting for uh, you know what we have up I think we have like 25 to 1 on them so. was that you
3: were I think Adam Kramer wrote up uh Jameer Gibbs yeah, as, as Adam, a possible
1: yeah, Adam as a as a
3: long shot uh Matoy Pearson hanging out with us one more segment with him from Winbet there's some interesting prop bets that you guys have up in the futures market we're going to talk about those uh, maybe we could decide on one to uh to fire on Mo will let him catch his breath, drink some of his water <laughs> as he sprinted in from the uh, the parking garage. Apparently, some traffic in the uh, in the evening hours here in Las Vegas. More college football on the other side here on the Nightcap.
0: This is the Nightcap on vSEN, the sports betting network.
3: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from a local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Matoy Pearson, from WinBet, in studio with us at Heed These Takes on Twitter. Getting ready for the football season. The crew over there, big time, big shot, Alan Berg. Do you even see him anymore? Or is he too big time now?
1: He's too big time. Yeah, yeah, he's traveling the world, man. So we're not seeing much of Alan right now. So you and Lindy running the shop. That's it. That's all we got. What? Uh, so last <laughs> year, Adam,
3: I, I saw Mo after we were we. Caught some college hoops. Who was that? Wichita uh, State UNLV. Yeah, it was after that game. We're, we're having a couple beers and uh, Couples generous. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> who was it, Frank Gore Jr. that you put in the Heisman market there? Oh, <laughs> somebody. I was looking. I was well, looking, no, at, you, I was you, looking you, at the Win WinBet uh, futures market, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? Frank Gore Jr. Pride of Southern <laughs> Miss was like, yeah, it was. Five thousand to one, or well, something it was, like uh, that. We had,
1: you know, it was in the list with, uh, you know, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and then Frank Gore Jr. So, <laughs> I thought we had it priced correctly with those three. Um, no, Matt made sure he was going to handle the Heisman. Oh, but, this year. You know, he was like, I think we're we're done playing around here. So I was like, I mean, he's going to be the best player on Southern Miss. He's going to have a shot. I'm looking
3: at it right now. Uh, C.J. Stroud plus 185. Bryce Young plus 375. Caleb Williams plus 650. And then it starts to get some longer shots. But uh, Jameer Gibbs, like you mentioned, 30-1. to 1. I think that's an interesting one. I took a flyer on uh, Jackson Smith and Jig, but I want to say I got it at 50 at Westgate maybe last week. Just a little, yeah. he's going to score nine touchdowns against Notre Dame week one. That's so, it, know. yeah. Have yeah. like 1,000 yards <laughs> yeah. receiving. So but I'm going I'm su- to be super pumped about that. <laughs> um, Over at Winbet, though, you guys do have uh, some interesting, um, you know, futures prop bets to win the national championship, Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, minus 380, the field, plus 300. Adam, would you make a wager on
2: the field? I don't I, I don't think I could. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I mean, those are clearly the three top teams in my power ratings, and it's not particularly close. I mean, the only question is, does the SEC get two teams in the playoff again? But even then... If not, then one of Alabama or Ohio State wins the title, probably with ease. Have you seen any... I mean, are people willing to lay 380 uh, on this
3: prop?
1: Well, We made sure when we opened it up, we were like a scalp to every other book, so we were giving away the field willingly. Um, and I don't know if that was like maybe plus 450, five bucks. It was it was in that general area, but you know they found the number and they bet it <laughs> quite quickly for us to move to where we're at now, so you know we're comfortable with uh, obviously taking the field, considering you know what you guys were saying, tagging on 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 these teams. Like, you know we're already heavy on Ohio State and we we like them enough, but just to consider that and having Alabama and Georgia, I mean the par- it, the college football lacks parity, and we're right. okay taking uh you know money on the field there. Well, right. who who could conceivably win it from the field? Clemson. <laughs> Texas A&M. Texas I a mean, I guess, but, that, but yeah. the problem
3: is... I mean, they're going to they're, beat Alabama. Yeah, they're, Georgia, right, yeah. And yeah. they're, what, a 16-point underdog at Alabama? So yeah. they have to win that game already with all of the animosity that's out there. If they to win that game. If they lose that game, they need Alabama to lose twice. Now, I guess, conceivably, they could go 11-1 and one and get into the playoff, not win the SEC, but, yeah, I... I mean, seeing that road, and now we can look, we could revert back to this in six months and say, man, how do we not see this team coming out? I I don't see it.
1: Yeah, it's a tall order. I mean, like, just the teams that are at the top. So, like, obviously Texas A&M, Clemson, USC, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, like, guys like that, I mean, they're solid, relatively speaking, but, you know, to play these teams when it really matters, it's, it's tough to bet on them.
2: Well, and we already have a frame of reference, right? I mean, Notre Dame is getting 15 and a half against nice. Ohio State, which means they're getting 17 or so against Alabama. Right. And then probably what, 14, 13 and a half against Georgia? Exactly. So, you know, I mean, and, Cle- you and win- Clemson's probably power-rated a little bit better than
3: Notre Dame, but not much. And the thing is, too, not only, you know, and this is to this isn't, you know, in 2012 when Notre Dame played Alabama for the national title, there was a an outside moment where Kansas State was almost in that national championship game. So it's like, okay, maybe you luck out. There's no luck anymore because you got to win two games to win this title. So, you know, it would be lay the 380 or pass. The other interesting one, I think this is really fascinating what you guys have done, the Power 5 champions kind of uh, parlay here. And this is really interesting. Have you seen any action come in on, on this? Because you could really, I think this is, you know, interesting. You've got all we've got all the different combinations put up there: Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC, Alabama. Which is interesting is actually the favorite at fifteen to one, and then you do Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Utah, Alabama at twenty to one.
1: Have you guys seen anything come in on these? We had a field up for it, and um, we took action at minus twenty five and forty. Yeah. Um, besides that, it hasn't been much. I mean, it's a lot of bets that we're we're wanting to see. You know, twenty, forty, fifty dollar bets. Sure. Um, you know, people are intrigued with that. Uh, Texas and Utah winning their their division. I think that's twenty five to one.
3: Yep. Uh, or their Clemson, continents. Ohio State, Texas, Utah, Alabama, twenty five to one.
1: So that one, I mean, I think it's going to get a lot. Like once again, Utah is going to be pushed. People are going to be talking about them to win the Pac twelve, and then Texas is always going to be Texas. So that one at twenty five to one, we have seen the most action on. That wasn't the field. That Utah
2: USC is a really interesting discussion mm-hmm. that we, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier on in the show, especially because now they don't have the divisions in the Pac 12. Right. So it can be two South teams, which is probably what it's going to end up being, playing each other. So, like like you were talking about, Tim, Utah could win the regular season game in Salt and Lake. then lose the championship game in a neutral setting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think that would be, and, you know, when you look at
3: this, it's 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 interesting to me that it's fifteen to one with USC and then it's twenty to one in Utah. But, you know, at twenty to one, you need it all to to, to play out here. When you look at the ACC, I know you're still working on your power ratings and all of that, but do you how much do you have Clemson ahead of the rest of, of that conference? Do you think people are catching up to him? I
1: mean... I mean, they I, caught up to them last year, obviously. I think at home, they're probably a six, seven-point favorite against Miami. Yeah. Who I think's creeping up is probably the second-best team in the ACC. And Spending that's, that money. You know, that's even splitting hairs as well. But, you know, when we were going through our season win totals, a lot of those games inside the ACC were coin flips. Yeah, You know, that's like a, a touchdown favorite and, and then in, in, in less. So, I mean, like, between NC State, who only plays, like, three road games, which is absurd to me... Um, you know, and then a couple of those two, like Wake Forest is going to be pretty solid. It's tough to really know. It's like a boiling part of a boiling pot of a lot of teams that are solid, but Clemson, I mean, is just head heading shoulders uh, above the the rest of the ACC.
2: So I make for really good radio because I like to talk about Group of Five. Like if I could talk about the Sunbelt for three hours, we I would totally do, do it. Yeah. yeah and you say, can yeah. do it with me. I yeah, know. That would Lin- be fair. I know. Yeah, I'm, okay with too. I'm, I'm okay with that. Are you, are there any group of five teams that you're seeing from obviously not a national championship standpoint? Cause that may never happen again. Yeah. But are you seeing some from a season win total standpoint
1: that have kind of taken some attention? We, we don't have them up yet per se. Uh, we might be throwing them up later if it gets a little bit more competitive and you know, people can come down and, and get down on that with us. Um, but I think you know the Americans been the most solid of as far as the group of fives that do get the notice. Memphis, UCF, Houston's um, gonna be good Cincinnati. this year. Yeah, and that's the team that I wanted to get into. I think yeah. Houston uh, was one of the teams that we looked at that uh, you know could be in that New Year Six bowl uh, with Holgerson and the guys they got. You know, Patrick Toon's coming back. They're a pretty solid team. That's one of the teams that uh, you know we've been talking about. Yeah, they're gonna be pretty good this
3: year. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up. Uh, Matoy Pearson in studio with us, hanging out. Uh, other popular championship bets. So we mentioned you've had some USC love. Michigan and Michigan is surprising to me that they're getting some championship love. Why do you think that is? Maybe just the number. Yeah. You know,
1: even if it's a market number, it's Michigan. You're getting sixty to one. Hard to really deny what we've seen last year after they yeah. got thwomped by Georgia. Um, but you know, as far as Ohio State um, being what they are, and it's going to be tough to beat them in the Big Ten take a shot on Michigan, you know, to get that win again. It's going to take a lot, but at 60 to 1, it's just uh maybe more appealing than the eye than to the logic. And then you also have had some love from Clemson. That one I could actually
3: see. I mean, they've done it before. Um that that unknown at the quarterback position. I think maybe Clemson is that team that you take that long shot. Where are you guys at Clemson?
1: Well, I think we <laughs> kind of stubborn to get off 15 to 1, you know, we were yeah. trying to keep our hold um, pretty solid, and we were like, "Well, who's the odd team out?" Right. It was Clemson, so we took a, a good amount at 15 to one before we, you know, got wise, moved to 12 to one. You know, we'll fight another day. Um, but I think that was the deal. You know, we're willing to take some Clemson bets and, you know, figure it out on the way to the national championship. Follow him on Twitter at heed these takes. He's running the show now
3: because uh, Alan's, don't say loud, Alan's become. not He's just a superstar. And, you know, we we love Alan, <laughs> but he'll remember us when we're when we're moving on. But no,
1: appreciate it. Yeah, we man. know there was some traffic here in town. No, I don't. I'm assuming that's not going to be on the way back. We're all just walk. <laughs> I'll take the bus, man. Yeah. Follow him on Twitter
3: at heed these takes. Matoy Pearson from. WinBet, bet. We appreciate it, brother. Thanks, fellas. There I he appreciate is. It, man. Thank you, More man. to come man. on the nightcap.
0: This is the nightcap on V Send, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. our weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon. Now to join the action, Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Thanks again to Matoy Pearson from WinBet for hanging out for a couple segments in studio, talking some college football with him. Uh, that fun prop bet uh, of the Power 5 conference champions. It's always fun to look at those and be like, all right, who messes this up? Uh, <laughs> maybe it would be Oklahoma. If we—if you kind of went chalk at 20-1, to 1, including Utah, maybe it would be Utah uh, with USC. So uh, interesting there. We're going to get into... Uh, a little bit of a, a deeper dive here in a conference in just a moment. Uh, but real quickly, let's uh, let's update the folks, Adam. Uh, once again, Adam Burke, keeping you updated on uh, on VEASAN.com with a live blog on the trade deadline. Uh, good thing for you, Adam. Things have kind of quieted down here. Uh, so far today, we've had a handful of trades. The biggest one, Josh Hader going from Milwaukee to San Diego Earlier today, that was before uh games got going as the as the two teams swapped their uh swap their closers, Taylor Rogers going from San Diego to Milwaukee, uh Danielson Lamette going also to Milwaukee. Uh, you know, he's the guy, what, a couple years ago in the COVID shortened season, he was a, a Cy Young candidate and it's kinda you know, dealt with injuries, I don't really know what to do with him. So interesting move, but you know, earlier in the day, or earlier in the show, I should say You mentioned how much you really
2: like this move by the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, I like this move quite a bit. I think they took advantage of the fact that A.J. Preller is very, very aggressive at the trade deadline. He wants to win now, and the Brewers want to win now and down the line. And I think that trades like this really allow them a really good opportunity to do that because Ruiz looks like a guy who's going to start for them uh, down the line, maybe not start right away, but he will be starting for them probably in their lineup next year. They get Robert Gasser, who looks like a pretty solid lefty with a lot of strikeout upside. And this is a team that believes in its pitching development. And, I mean, they should. Look at where Corbin Burns is now. Look at what Brandon Woodruff's become. Freddie Peralta, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. They're very good at developing arms. So the idea of getting guys like Gasser, you know, getting a guy like Lamette, that's something that they can really elevate here, uh, not just this season, but in future seasons as well. What I think is strange is that, at least looking in terms of the odds at DraftKings, Neither team moved from Hmm. this deal. I would have thought that because of the name recognition of Josh Hader, the Padres would have come down a little bit from 22 to one. Didn't happen. With that being said, if the Padres do end up with Juan Soto, as we've kind of speculated, they definitely still have the prospects to get him. They probably go from 22 to one to 14 to one, 12 to one, something like that. If they get him, maybe even 10 to one again, because of the name value. So, I don't think it's a horrible idea tonight if you want to put a speculative bet out there on the Padres because if they get Soto, that price is going to go down quite significantly. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you're probably, I would say, if they get Soto,
3: it would go too far right? because it is just one bat. But at 22-1, to if they were to land... And Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. Yeah, I mean, you know, with that... Uh, with that rotation pitch in the way that it is a couple of the other moves some smaller moves uh Braves uh Braves have been busy today uh they they inked Austin Riley to a massive extension uh they swapped uh Will Smith for Jake Odorizzi from the Houston Astros and they also brought in rog- Robbie Grossman uh from the Detroit Tigers so the day that Atlanta has had uh what did you make of the moves that we've seen and they you know they brought in um uh, the utility infielder from the Nationals that they... Adrianza? Yes, uh, Adrianza. So not not any earth-shattering moves, what would you make of the day for the Braves?
2: Well, so the more I think about the Jake Odorizzi acquisition, and again, I, I don't love the fit there being a fly ball guy down in Atlanta where the ball can carry a little bit, but this allows them now to, if they want to, run a six-man rotation, give Spencer Strider some more time between starts because that's a guy reaching a new innings threshold here in the second half, to kind of baby Ian Anderson a little bit, a guy that has really underperformed this season. They don't have to overextend Max Freed. They still have the veteran in Charlie Morton, but another guy in Kyle Wright, who, you know, he's a fairly young arm as well, who's experiencing an innings increase. So with Odorizzi now, they probably go to a six-man rotation, which I think makes some sense to them. They're not a lock to make the playoffs, but it'd be very hard for them not to make it at this point in time. So Odorizzi at least fits in that regard. Uh, Austin Riley just a really smart signing for them to go ahead and, and lock him up and they've got control of Acuna they've got control of Ozzy Albies they've got control of Austin Riley wouldn't be totally shocked if they signed Michael Harris the second to an extension here over this over the winter smart teams I give the benefit of the doubt to almost uh, just on a blanket case just you know what they're making a trade at the trade deadline they see something even if I don't understand it they see something and the Braves have become that kind of really smart team that I just kind of say, okay, I they did it, and I see why. Trey Mancini goes from
3: Baltimore to Houston. Uh, you mentioned, you know, his impact uh, in Baltimore, uh, overcoming cancer, missing the twenty twenty season, being a great clubhouse guy. But he's had a solid season too. And I know, I think I saw, uh, you know, some numbers that uh, from the right side they've. The Astros have really struggled this year. So, to bring in a guy like Trey Mancini, uh, they were thought maybe he would be in the Josh Bell market. They ultimately land on Mancini. Uh, for the Astros, is this a move that you like for them moving forward?
2: Yeah, I do like this move for them. Again, as I mentioned, Yuri Guriel has not really hit all that well so far this season. Michael Brantley currently on the IL with a shoulder issue. Right now, Guriel is probably going to end up DHing while Mancini plays first base. But when Brantley comes back, Now they don't have to put him in the outfield. And if they wanted to, really, I mean, they could put Mancini in the outfield.
3: Mm -hmm. So this gives them a little bit
2: more flexibility. It'll be the same thing with with whichever team gets Ian Happ tomorrow, because I do think that the Cubs ultimately move him. He plays six different positions. A lot of times these contenders here at the trade deadline are looking for roster flexibility. They're looking for platoon guys they can use as pinch hitters or plug into the lineup given the matchup, or they're looking for guys that play multiple positions because – they're good already. You know, they're just kind of getting those supplemental pieces to help them out. Mancini's better than a supplemental piece, but the idea remains the same of getting some more flexibility in the order. So the trade deadline coming up tomorrow, 6 PM Eastern. Uh
3: still some big, big names, the biggest being Juan Soto potentially uh being dealt. All right, let's uh let's jump into the nitty-gritty. Uh, you and I, we showed our our breakdown, our predictions of conference champions, Adam, and you and I, uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, very similar uh, in, in who we believe will win respective conferences. The one we disagreed with, and it wasn't a massive disagreement, but uh, you rolled with uh, the Roadrunners, meet me to win the CUSA, and uh, I'm, I'm going with the Blazers, UAB, um, I'll be honest. This was one kind of a coin toss. I looked at both of these teams. I was uh, all over the Hilltoppers last year, came up just shy uh, with, with my guy Bailey Zappi, uh, not getting it done in the championship game. But you know, for for UAB, Bill Clark steps down. I almost felt like maybe this was a buy-low opportunity, a little bit uh, on UAB because of Bill Clark stepping down due to, I think it was a back surgery that he was going to have. What made you roll with UTSA for uh, for the conference title this year.
2: So I have UTSA power rated a 69. I have UAB power rated 68. So these two teams are very (laughs) neck and neck for me here. This game in the regular season is at UAB. So, of course, we'll see what happens because uh, I believe again this season – that the better record gets the home game for the conference USA title. I don't think it's Last a. Last year was site. UTSA got it against uh, Western Kentucky. Yeah. Right. So I think that these two teams are just very interchangeable. I just feel like UTSA, you know, bring back Frank Harris at quarterback, bringing back you know their head coach and Jeff Trailer. I just think that's a little bit better of a situation for them than what's going on at UAB with Bill Clark having to step down. They bring in the offensive coordinator Brian Vincent, who's effectively auditioning for the job. They said that they're not going to do anything in terms of the job until after the season. So we'll see what that ends up being like for them. But look, Western Kentucky could still be good. I only have them a a two-and-a-half-point dog to UAB and a neutral three-and-a-half-point dog to UTSA. So Western Kentucky's right there in the mix. I think Middle Tennessee will be better. They played four different quarterbacks last year that had starts because they had so many injuries. They had one kid retire because he had a kid. He wanted to spend time with his family. They had injuries. Uh, Chase Cunningham had, I believe, a sixteen to three touchdown interception ratio before he went out. So Middle Tennessee was a team kind of in a state of flux. Uh, I think Florida Atlantic will be solid. North Texas will be interesting as well. It's a, it's not a good conference, but <laughs> Rice and FIU are really the only bad teams in this conference. So I think it'll be a really interesting watch throughout the year. And Rice under 3.5, by the way, is one of my favorite season win total bets. I actually have Rice down for 2.03 wins. Wow. The Owls not believing in Rice this year, huh? Not believing in the Rice By the Owls. way,
3: Jarrett Daigie is the uh, now new quarterback for Western Kentucky, the uh, former yes.
2: West Virginia. I think they brought in a kid from Florida Western, too, who's just like a complete gunslinger. So <laughs> might be him. <laughs> they lost Kitley, though. Kitley they did. Is, uh, Kitley. But his right-hand man, Ben Arbuckle, is the OC. See? There you go. Read, to the, read the college football betting guide over at
3: VEASAN.com. <laughs> you come to the nightcap for your in-depth breakdown of Hilltopper depth charts. It's the nightcap here on Visa.
2: This is the
0: Nightcap on v the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
4: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why and what it all means.
3: The College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles on all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total, bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. Sign up early for a discount at $175, and you'll receive the college and pro football betting guides along with full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl, or join us for 40 bucks a month and see everything VEASAN has to offer to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for, op- for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Along with, alongside Adam Burke, sitting in for Sean King, I am Tim Murray, wrapping things up here on the nightcap. Scott Seidenberg coming up next, getting to the nitty-gritty of CUSA football. What uh, what conferences did you attack again this
2: this year in the guide? SEC, Big 12, kind of boring. And oh. then Conference USA in the Sun Belt. Oh, there you go. That's why... Uh, my, my bread and butter, I love Group of Five. I think there's so much more betting value in the Group of Five. I agree with far.
3: that. Uh Sunbelt's going to be a fascinating conference this year. Some interesting new names. Marshall down there now. Old Dominion. Uh, James Madison from the FCS ranks. I think Brad Powers came on here and said his favorite win total under was under. I think James Madison was like as high as seven and a half or something like something like that. So
2: I think they only play 11 games. That too. is true. They only play 11 games, yeah.
3: which is bizarre.
2: And they uh, lost their quarterback who had like a 40 to 4 touchdown interception ratio or something. Which is great when you're transitioning to FBS. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um got the mlb trade deadline coming up tomorrow um moves uh, have been made today so let's uh l- we'll wrap things up with this will juan soto by the time we hit the airwaves tomorrow it'll be 10 o'clock eastern seven o'clock pacific deadlines at six o'clock pacific uh, uh sorry six o'clock eastern tomorrow
2: is Juan Soto a Washington National tomorrow night when we're on the air? I don't think so. I, I look a couple days ago. I really didn't expect the deal to get done just because of the ridiculous haul of prospects it was going to take. But we've seen some teams be pretty aggressive here today, and I think that mindset continues into tomorrow. So I do think Juan Soto gets moved. And <clears throat> excuse me, I would say that the Padres are probably my favorite right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there there has been. Now I think it was year I want to say it was his his first season as the GM of the Padres AJ Preller but Mike Rizzo absolutely pantsed him in a mm-hmm. deal and he got Trey Turner and Joe Ross now Joe Ross has, has dealt with his fair share of injuries recently but you know initially early on he was you know a mainstay in that rotation and ultimately that was a deal that netted the Padres Will Myers. Obviously, AJ Preller's done a far better job, you know, and in, in, in how they're going, but he's very aggressive. Um, and if I had to guess, I will say, yeah, I think he is gone and I think he is likely a padre tomorrow because they've done a really good job with that farm system. And at some point, you know, when you've got the prospects, are they there? Are you going to reap those benefits or are you just going to make a mega deal to get in a superstar? And that superstar could be—he is Juan Soto. If you want to go out and get him, and and you know, to your point, maybe maybe it is worth taking a look at a future on the Padres if you think that AJ Preller is going to be the the most aggressive uh, guy out there come tomorrow before six o'clock.
2: Yeah, because all of a sudden, I mean, the the biggest issue for the Padres all season long has been their offense, and specifically their offense against right-handed pitching. You had Juan Soto, you know, left-handed bat with a ton of power against everybody, but especially against right-handed pitching. In your middle of the order, all of a sudden, you know, when Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back, features Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, and Juan Soto, you already have really good pitching. You've got very good starting pitching. You know, when Joe Musgrove is in a groove, it seems like he's kind of been battling through something right mm-hmm. now. But he's good. Mike Clevenger is solid. Sean Mania is good. The bullpen I think they could use one or maybe two more arms in that bullpen, um, which they should still have the assets to do even with a Soto deal. But I, I think that, look. I mean, the reality of it is when you look at the Dodgers, like all you can try to do is keep up with them and, and getting a player like Juan Soto allows you the chance to do that. Well, let's go back to the hater
3: deal. Cause that was the most, I think the most notable name. He's an all-star closer, arguably, I say arguably the best closer right now. Now he had those, really rough patch right out of the All-Star ga- uh, All break where he got lit up by the Twins and then had that just horrific outing against the San Francisco Giants, giving up the walk-off grand slam. You know, But since then, his last four outings gave up one run, struck out eight or seven over those four outings. When you look at Josh Hader right now, and I know you said you really like the deal for the Brewers long-term, but let's flip it to the Padres. Do you like the fact that they now have Josh Hader closing out this game's, you know, you look at the ERA, it's 424, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago going into the all-star break, what it was one eight. And then he, you know, has two really bad outings. So when you're a closer and you have nine runs in a stretch of two games, your ERA is going to get elevated. Do you believe in Josh Hader to be a elite
2: shutdown closer come playoff time? Yeah, I think so. I think kind of the X factor in in this whole Josh Hader situation is the Padres pitching coach, Ruben Niebla. Now, I'm very familiar with Niebla's work because he was a pitching coordinator for the Cleveland Indians, now, of course, the Guardians, but he had a hand in basically anybody that came up through the system, including Shane Bieber, including Corey Kluber. He had a hand in all of those guys. So this is a guy who's very proven with developing pitching talent. I mean, Cleveland's pitching talent has been great for basically the last decade or so. So I think Ruben Niebla... Can isolate what's going on with Josh Hader, and, and maybe Josh Hader just maybe just needed a change of scenery. You know, sometimes that's a big part of these deals here, where you know, not to say that the Brewers held any animosity or anything with his family situation, but maybe you know both parties just kind of needed to go in different directions here. When you look at the the New York Yankees, so they had already they were really the
3: first team to get out there, be aggressive. They get you know Ben Attendee from the Kansas City Royals today. They, they bring in Montez and Trevino from the A's. By the way, Aaron Judge had another home run today. Uh, just, you know, shocking, I know. That guy's pretty good. Um, the way the Yankees have gone about this trade deadline, you know, have you been impressed by what you've seen? Have, have they, in your eyes, bettered themselves even more so to make a run at their first title in over a decade?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, you know, a guy like Scott Afros, who is going to pitch in high leverage in a setup role, probably the role that Michael King was in, that's a really smart acquisition for them because you've got Jonathan Luizaga still trying to find it a little bit. You've got a role as Chapman where you don't really know what kind of role you can use him in. Lou Trevino is a guy that's had a lot of success in high leverage in the past. We'll see if we can get back to that. But they've just they're going to take the volume approach with their arms and just see... You know, who kind of emerges to be in that leverage role? Frankie Montas is a very, very good starting pitcher. He's a good fit as a ground ball guy in a very offense heavy division and in a ballpark where, you know, keeping the ball on the ground is a really good thing to do because it's like playing at a little league field there at Yankee Stadium. And Ben is a great piece. He either lengthens the lineup or he gets on base in front of one of Judge or Stanton. And Stanton will be coming back too, which. I mean, the reality is you can kind of call him a little bit of a late trade deadline acquisition to get his bat back. The Yankees are very well positioned. I understand that Brian Cashman does have a lot of money to work with, but I like a lot of the deals he makes. They just for one reason or another, some of them haven't worked out, but this may be the year where everything kind of comes together for them. They will be trading Joey Gallo tomorrow, though at some point. Yeah, so we'll that's. See what happens
3: yeah, apparently they're receiving interest from uh, on Joey Gallo. Josh Bell's an interesting name. I think he's fifth in in the NL in batting right now. Three hundred one batting average. Certainly, he will be on the move. I'm sure the Nationals are just field waiting to see what what offer.
2: What team would you like to see acquire Josh Bell? So the team I'd like to see acquire Josh Bell is the Milwaukee Brewers. I think that they could really use, you know, uh, yeah, I think they could really use something like that. That would definitely be a really good fit for them. Also, Josh Bell is a guy that, you know, obviously you could DH, but, you know, he could play first. He could play the outfield. He's not great in the outfield, but he's not awful either. So, again, you talk about flexibility and being able to move guys around. And the one thing about the Brewers is, I mean, you know, when they acquired Mike Moustakas a couple of years ago, they didn't have a position for him. They're just kind of like, well, we're going to put you at second base and see how it goes. Yeah. You know, they just wanted to get bats. They just wanted to get offense. Then they'd figure out where to put these guys. So I think Josh Bell's a good fit there. I think Josh Bell's a good fit with the Mets as well. Um, But I think the Mets, their their goal is Wilson Contreras tomorrow. It's Wilson Contreras or bust for them. All right, so Wilson Contreras, you think Mets... Bell Brewers. I think think Bell to the Brewers would would make a lot of sense, especially because, you know, again, David Stearns is aggressive at the trade deadline, and there's no commitment to Bell after this season. Yeah, and they just acquired pieces
3: from the Padres for the Josh Hader deal. Keep it locked in on VEASAN.com. Adam's going to be updating the live blog on the trade deadline, 6 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. We'll have more college football discussion tomorrow, more summer conditioning, that's going to do it for our show. Scott Seidenberg is coming
0: up next right here on Visa.